You think you've got the best of me. Think you've had the last laugh. Bet you think that everything good is gone. Think you left me broken down. Think that I'll come running back. Baby, you don't know me because you're dead wrong. That's lyrics from Kelly Clarkson's song Stronger off her 2011 album entitled Stronger. Um, that song, I, you know, I love that song. I think it's such a positive, uplifting song. Uh, came on my playlist the other day. I was in the car and it's, you know, it's, it's, it's really happening a lot lately where like these songs will just hit me and I'm thinking, well, I have a show now. I'm going to use these lyrics on the show. And these lyrics are just fantastic. Um, it's one of those songs, you know, someone, someone thinks they get the best of you. They think that they had the last laugh. Uh, they think that your life is in shambles because they caused you stress. They caused you trouble. They caused you inconvenience. Um, and, you know, they think you'll just come running back to them. They could treat you like crap and you'll come running back to them no matter what. Um, this song particularly is probably about a relationship. But, I, you know, when I, when I listen to this song, I view it part of my life and just everyday circumstances and people from my past um, and just observing things in everyday life and other people's fr- friends' lives, families' lives, uh, and movies. There's always those people who think they get the best of you. They think they had the last laugh. Mm-hmm. And they think that, you know, your life is dependent on how they treat you. And you can, you know, they can be any, they can be, they couldn't be wronger if they tried. I mean, um, it's just a, it's just a good song and it's an uplifting song. It's the lyrics are good, but it's just a, it's a catchy tune too. So Kelly Clarkson's stronger. Joe, how you doing today? I'm doing okay, Shawnee. Good to hear from you, bro. Um, you know, with regard to these lyrics, and it strikes up a couple of things. And I'm not going to listen. I'm not going to get too deep into I'm not. I'm not going to get to because I'm, I'm not qualified and nor am I an angel. I'm not going to get too deep into scripture. But, um, you know, the Bible says that Christ said, you know, 70 times seven. He just used a big number. He didn't mean 490. He just meant 70 times seven is the amount of times you should you should forgive somebody. Um, but there was a catch to that. Theologians all say that. That's that's a number. It's just a, it just means a big number. But it, what it means is anytime someone comes to you with a sincere keyword, sincere apology, you say, you know what? I forgive you. It's all right if they're sincere. But if they're having fun with you, having ha- toying with you, making you look silly, and all that kind of stuff, whoever that may be, whether this whether this is an amorous breakup or a breakup of of, of buddies or friends, who the hell knows? I don't know. But one thing that, that that that's always bothered me that a lot of people get wrong, and I've heard theologians say this that. As long as the person comes to you and they're sincere. Now, if they're messing with you or making a fool out of you or toying with you, you don't have to forgive a damn thing. Okay. So that's number one. But this, this is a good thing. And, and like you said, it doesn't necessarily have to be a boy, girl, man, woman, amorous relationship. This could be anything to do with life. Could be employer, employee, could be a, 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 you know, an uncle. It could be a family member. Could be, could be anything. Could be, could be, could be, uh, a boy, uh, you know, a, a dude you hung out with years ago in high school or whatever. And it just things don't go. You know, you, you see it your way. I see it my way or whatever. But one thing, um, one thing that this does, it reminds me of, a, a, and I'm not going to switch gears, but there's another tune called uh, Gloria Gaynor did it called I Will Survive. And it's the same kind of notion that, you know, yeah, you, you knocked me down. I was dependent on you. Now I'm talking more of an amorous relationship now, but, you know, you knocked me down. I was dependent on you. I quote unquote built everything, you know, that I was going to do around us and you and everything like that. And the breakup really hit me hard. But guess what? I'm going to be all right. 
because a month from now, I'm going to wake up and it's going to hurt a lot less than it does now. Two months, I'm going to wake up and it's going to hurt a whole lot less. And eventually, one day, I'm going to wake up and say, what the hell was I even worried about? Let me go find another cutie somewhere. And that applies to everybody, that the breakups are hard and breakup breakups are tough and so forth and so on. And I, 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 I'm going off on a tangent here, but um, let me just come back to your lyrics here. I think they're good. And what it is, it's personal strength. You, I, I was, I was your, a, a little bit foolish with you, and I let you, you know, kind of take advantage of me a little bit for a time period. But guess what? The jig is up, and you know, not coming back. I like it. Yeah, it's a, it's a very um, inspiring song. Um, Kelly Clarkson has a phenomenal voice, mm-hmm. and uh, this song really just like if you haven't, it's one of those things like once you, once you know this song's good, once you hear it a bunch of times. The rest of your life, every time you hear this, especially if you haven't heard it in a while, it's going to hit you like a ton of bricks. You're like, this is getting me going. And you're going to reminisce and your, you know, your mind's going to go all different memories about people who have like wronged you. And that think that like, you know, without them, you're nothing. But, you know, really, you just went on with your life. You're living your life fine. And you're not really paying them no mind. But they might actually be paying you, you know, more mind than you ever paid them thinking about, you know, oh, they're probably doing horrible without me. You know, I get the mm-hmm. best. Of them. I really made them look like a fool. I uh, took advantage of them. You know, you know how bullies are and how people who are kind of not the best people can treat certain people. Yeah. But um, I just love the song. But um, I, I love it too. And like I said, it, it, it's, 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 it's personal strength. And I just, I think it's, I think it's a fantastic thing. And I also think Sean that somewhere suggested in those lyrics is, I don't even need to run out and find, see some people, I have to be in a relationship. If even if it's a girl, I need, I need to find a boyfriend. If it's a boy, if it's a guy, I don't need to find a girlfriend. I got, listen, there is nothing that you can get better than the strength of standing on your own, realizing, you know, relationships cool for a lot of reasons. It's cool. It'd be nice to, but at the same time, it's nice to spend some time alone and to recognize to to realize who you are and to understand that no i don't need a god darn relationship i don't need it it'd be cool it'd be fun sometimes matter of fact there's a there was there was a an actress or a comedian chelsea handler i think her name she was talking about this on on that she's like in her 50s and she never really got married or had kids and because she just never felt like she had to do it it's like dude you don't have to check boxes because other people think this or that and and you damn sure don't underestimate the quality of me time alone time getting to know yourself time and getting stronger time because the stronger you get when you're alone you realize i don't need i'm not like these other you know these other little you know they need to run out and they're, they're nothing unless they get a girlfriend or I'm, well, there's nobody. Shut up. You know, get some strength, get some self-respect. Be, be, and not, not talking, I'm talking in general, Sean, to, to the human condition. Be, um, be aware that you can get to know yourself and get stronger as a person, uh, during times of being uninhibited by a really of a, you know, by a relationship and so yeah. forth and so on. That's, I just wanted to bring that out. Yeah. The floor is yours. Time's yours. Um, and just want to say other lyrics from this, the same song. Uh, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Everyone knows that, that classic saying, you know, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Mm. And then she talks about stand a little taller. Doesn't mean I'm lonely when I'm alone. So it doesn't mean I'm lonely when I'm alone. Even that though I'm a girl. Alone, I'm not, I'm a girl. Yes. You know? I didn't even hear that. I didn't even know that. I didn't see that. But there it is. There, there she's even alluding to some of that too. 
It's like, okay. God. Solid yeah. song by Kelly Clarkson. She won American Idol. Uh, she's she's a phenomenal talent. Seems to have a great personality. I think she has her own talk show, too. But um, Yeah, and it's like, to me, I mean, I wouldn't, I, I don't listen to Kelly. I know who she is. I don't listen to her. I probably won't listen to her. But hell, this is a, mu- we do this music thing to extract lyrics and to extract that kind. No, sometimes we do it just for, because the music is just rip roaring fantastic. But sometimes we just do it for the culture or the lyrics or whatever. Hell, if I could do Molly Malone, got cockles and muscles from the Irish, you know, that kind of a thing, then you could certainly do, um, kelly clarkson you know what i mean it's not our first choice but there's a reason why we do these things so good solid choice tonight young fella thanks mm-hmm. uh did you happen to watch saturday Night live on saturday snl i watched some of it but it was so lame i just turned it oh. back and forth i was watching something else sports center i don't know what the hell i was watching okay. i really i really enjoyed it i thought michael b jordan was a fantastic host uh, i thought the musical guest little baby i don't really know a lot of his music but i thought his performances were interesting um, I was, you know, nodding my head to the music, even though I didn't know the song. I thought it was pretty good, but I thought Michael B. Jordan, like, was just, <laughs> I thought he's just a great host. Like one of the, one of the best hosts I've seen, uh, in a little bit, um, like some of the sketches were like really funny. What sketch do you, Joe, do you watch any of the sketches that you can remember? Well, well, let me just say this. I, 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 I like Mike. I like, I, I like him. First of all, he played Creed and so forth. And I like the dude. I've heard him interviewed. He seems like a really nice fella. I just thought that if, oh, I thought, I'm thinking to myself, Jesus Christ, is this supposed to be like really funny or did they change this from like being a comedy to just being a cutesy? Like it's cutesy. Uh, but I'm not laughing. It's like, uh, but, uh, I, I, I'm okay. I, I think there was one where they were, they were spitting food on each other. Like, yeah. I did, that like, one, that, that one, I didn't, I wasn't a huge fan of that one. I thought it was kind of like annoying and a little cringy. It was like, all right, they yeah. have the, their mouths are wide open. They, everything's going in their eyes, the food they're, you know, they're, they tried they took it to, they took it really far. Yes. Um, thank but it you. was like, ah, this isn't working. I, I, was, I don't really like that one. I thought it was unique. I thought it was, you know, they tried something different, but I was like, nah, I had three skits. I had my favorite, my three favorite skits that I liked the best. Uh, the one was Jake from State Farm. You know, like, you ever see the commercial with Jake from State <laughs> that, Farm? That was kind of creative, but you felt for the poor bastard who's, <laughs> you He's felt for him. Like his, his, Jake from State Farm is like stealing his wife. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of funny. Yeah. It was funny because, you know, it was just a joke. Yeah. Yeah, it was funny. And then the Street Fighter one where uh they're doing the voices for the video game Street Fighter. And Michael B. Jordan's doing like a really like tough voice and grunting and all that, you know, sound effects for the game. Yeah, I, I and thought And Yang's doing like the opposite. He's doing like really like, yeah. funny, like you know, I thought that was pretty clever. It was a snore fest, I thought, but go ahead. <laughs> um, what about, the, did you see the, the the meeting where the guy is giving uh, like, you know, shy and kind of reclusive guys advice on getting girls and then like uh, Michael B. Jordan's character is like the, the janitor or, or the guy who like, yeah. and then I, he, like, he's sitting in the, like, he's like in the back. All of a sudden he, he starts to become part of the class and he's like a uh, forehead because the guy is yeah. a big forehead and he starts making the guy so self-conscious and he turns the whole thing around. Like he, he turned, he becomes the leader and then everyone falls. And I, I thought it was just really funny. He's like the, the way he was, he's called him like forehead Jackson and like his demeanor. And like, I don't know, Michael B. Jordan can be really funny. Like if you, if you really set him up right and he delivers the, the lines are right in the, <sighs> I just thought that I was thought a little goofy and little, a little, a uh, little, that, that was just even, even for a skit, it's a little goofy, like the guy's gonna uh, unfold. Because, uh, I, I, I don't, and the whole thing was kind of, 
I, I that it was just good. That that I didn't I didn't think was funny at all. It was like, oh, okay, yeah, okay. What about like what, you see the opening monologue where he's using his name. He's like Michael B. Hostin, Michael B. Nervous. Like this opening just said Michael B. Because there's a B in the, in the middle of the yeah, name. Yeah, middle of the name. Yeah, like, yeah. I thought that was pretty, you know, a nice icebreaker to open the show. Then they had a thing where they're like the girls are all coming on to him, and he, you know, and I was thinking, I was like, what if it was a girl host and they had the guys, you know, coming on to the girl like that. Uh, he flipped the roles. Like it would be I, like, I don't, it might be a little bit controversy, right? I think what's her name? And I'm going back. I, I mean, I, I, um, what's her name? I thought she was just oh, like a 2008 or so. I really did. I'm right. I'm right. 2008. Now it's just around 2000, I guess maybe 15 or 16. Um, what's her name? Um, she's a singer, blonde, uh, Lady Gaga, Lady Gaga. She um, hosted Saturday Night Live, and I think th- I think there were a lot of a couple of scenes where you know a couple three guys would be up on her. Okay, and okay. I was wondering they, like, they well, done, you should have seen her seven years ago, because. But anyway, it doesn't yeah. matter. I, I but I've seen that reversed. Yeah, I've seen that scenario reversed again. I didn't think, think, think that was funny. I didn't think the, the ghost, I'm sorry, Sean. Go ahead. What do you think about Weekend Update? Because you said you really like that. Yeah. I always like Weekend Update. I think that they should take that segment and do half the damn show. All right. Not just that 12 minutes or whatever it is. I think they should do half the damn show of weekend update. And then the other half with all this semi funny BS they do. Yeah. I just thought the the whole idea of like, cause they have these classes where like these shy guys pay for like these like pickup artists to teach them how to pick up girls. And, um, you know, I thought it was pretty funny how like Michael B. Jordan just like turned the whole class around. The guy who was supposed to be teaching all the guys, he was supposed to be this guru. And then he starts making the guy super uncomfortable and just dissing him. And like, you know, it was this. I thought that was just, I was I thought that was pretty funny how that, you know, that happened. I don't know. Yeah, I guess. I, I, I don't know. I I can't imagine a scenario in which um, ugh, I just can't. I can't imagine the whole the whole thing I, I didn't even know there were classes like that's a shame oh, yeah there's but, there's a there's a but, lot of like classes like that out there where like these these guys who are supposed to be like these professional pickup artists they're like these really like confident guys uh, they'll, they'll teach uh these other pe- people their ways they're, these really shy guys and guys have trouble getting girls right um, they'll teach them uh different methods how to get how to pick up women so that that's wow. pretty much I, that's why i found it so funny because I'm, I'm very familiar with like that whole thing um wow. i've known i've known people who have like read different books on that stuff and like you know i've <laughs> i just i just know a little bit about that like how that works so i was cracking up at how they did it how they flipped the switch how they, how they you know how they had like michael b jordan just take over the class and start ripping on the, the host you know these guys well, the, the only thing i could think of was the guy standing there at the front of the class should have said something like listen skippy just put the water bottle in and go back to your truck or something he should have said something like that i can't see him go yeah, uh, uh, yeah I, I don't i don't i don't see it well i can see it because it was a little jag off saturday night live skit okay the same way because they're not funny anymore um, the thing with the, 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 the when he was a, 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 a some kind of a stripper or something, I thought that was a little bit creative that he was married. Oh yeah, that and they showed that. Yeah, that the, it was the, one the of the ones one. toward the end. I thought it was creative. I still didn't think it was that funny though, but it was creative. You know. Yeah, yeah, that one. I mean, I, I usually like there's like certain skits which I totally just hate. I'm like, oh, that skit sucks. Um, but like I thought like 
most of the skits on this episode are pretty good. I, I don't know. I really enjoyed this episode. I mean, I, I, I everyone, it's, it's, a, it's a common thing. Sucked. It's a common thing these days to, to, to like for people to hate on SNL, to call it like not funny. And then, you know, that's not, that's not good anymore. Uh, but Lord Michaels is still a person like, you know, hiring the people and he's still like, in charge of the show. And Lord Michaels, he's a really good talent. I don't know. I mean, I, I don't do it every, because I'm following anyone. No, I do I know, it because I that's the way I feel about it. Yeah, but and like, I think we were all spoiled to see the, the golden age of that show. So everyone misses the golden age. Everyone misses the Sandler, oh. Jack Roids, you know. Sandberg. Sandberg was a little after the golden age, but you're right. It, um, you know, you're, you're Dana Carvey's, uh, you know, you're Dana Carvey's, your Belushi's, your Ackroyd's, your Chevy Chase's, your, your, um, your Eddie Murphy's, your, you know, all the way through there, that whole, you know, um, what's his name? Um, not Dana Carvey, but the other, uh, you know, there's a, just a bunch of them that came through. Um, um, what's his name? Uh, uh I can't remember. It's not important. Yeah, it's not uh, important. But anyway, uh, so. I Saturday Night Live. You saw like, it. You liked it. I saw it. I didn't really like it. Okay. So what do you, know, you think about okay. – how, how do you feel about the Empire State Building being lit up in green last night celebrating the Eagles in New York City? Like, what's your opinion on that? I mean, that's like – come on. Well, Saturday, I, the Empire State Building was lit up green for the Eagles in New York City. It's like, what is going on? Well, and a couple hours later, it was it was lighted up red for the Chiefs. It was. So they did both. It's been, but what's, why do it at all? It's New York City. Like it's, it's it's New York Giants and Jet territory. Why even give those other teams the, you know, the the Empire State? But it's like New York City. Like we, these are the New York teams. A lot of people say, oh, those are those teams are in New Jersey. They're not even New York City teams. So why can't New York City represent Philadelphia? But it's not true. Those those state the stadium is right on the border of uh of New York New York City. It's like you know it's so close to the city. Everyone knows they're basically New York teams. Okay, well. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. I just I saw that and I was kind of like, ah, this is stupid. This is really whoever whoever is responsible for putting the Chiefs and the Eagles colors in the Empire State Building deserves to be fired. Well, <laughs> as an Eagles fan, I thought it was a very nice gesture, and I think sometimes you have to understand you can't have it both ways. New York is like the center of. Now I know it's not geographically the center, obviously. But New York is the premier city in the premier country in the world, right? And there are premier cities, so and that, that's a lot of arts, a lot of a, a lot of everything is kind of starting there and so forth. So I think when you when you come down to Championship Sunday and you have your two finalists for the Super Bowl, I think all they're doing is saying, okay, the arts and entertainment part of New York is saying, pay a little homage to the two teams that won, you know. Not like we're not going to do anything. I, I think it be, now, and it wouldn't work in anywhere else but New York because New York is, like I said, they're the front. They're the, you know, if anyone can do that and say, look, push our teams aside. They didn't make it. We are the representative city for our country and it's almost a national holiday. You know, the Super Bowl, our, the teams have been established. So we're going to congratulate them with a, a lighting of the Empire State Building, the premier building in the premier city, in the premier country on this day. I thought it was kind of cool. But like I said, no one could do it. So, I mean, and you enjoy that. You enjoy that reputation. You enjoy that that status that you have uh, as a New Yorker, right? Um, so you can't have it both ways. I, I just think it's it's somewhat like that. Like I said, nowhere, no other city in the, would that work, Sean. But there it would, and it showed a lot of class. It really did. 
Okay. My feeling. I mean, I'll be honest. The Cowboys are the Super Bowl, and they lit up the, the they lit up blue, you know, blue and white for the Cowboys colors. I'd still be like, that's that's friggin', yeah, that's stupid. I'd be like, you know, I'm a Cowboys fan, and like, come on, that's New York City, because I know how New Yorkers are. The New Yorkers must have been so angry because it's not that that's just in New York. It's the fact that there's so many Giants fans there who hate the Eagles, and then they have to see this this prestigious, legendary building lit up green for the Eagles. It's like, oh my. God, like everyone, everyone's saying, you know, Eric Adams, the mayor of New York City, he's partially responsible for it because he, he allowed that to happen. Because, you know, if you got a, a different mayor in there, um, they might just put the kibosh in that right away. Like, no, this is this is giant territory. You know, this is jet territory. I know I understand your points and where you're coming from, but I really don't. You know, I don't know. I just thought I thought it was the bad move, you know. I can respect that. I can respect that. And like I said, it would, it's, it's, it would, could never even be thought of as happening anywhere else, but there to, to establish something like that. But, yeah. um, ah, it is what it is. It, it's sports and, you know, you know, it's not, it's not that heavy. Yeah. All right. So I want to talk a little bit about movies I saw recently. So I saw three movies. Um, when we do the show last, we did the show Friday night. All right. So I saw, I saw movies. You know, three movies, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. I saw three movies in a row. The first one I saw was called Fear. Uh, honestly, not that good. Uh, has an actor I really like in it. Um, he's from the show Power. His name is Joseph Sikora. Um, I'm a fan of his, but, you know. And then I'm also a fan of Ruby Modine. She was in it. But, you know, Ruby Modine and Sikora couldn't really save the movie. It was just a bad script and a weird concept. It's like, you know, they... They go to like this this resort during like a COVID type thing where there's like a lockdown, so they have to go to like you know they're gonna rent out whole resorts. And anyway, they get whenever they have a fear, whatever their deepest darkest fear is, it manifests just by thinking of the fear. And then you know what happens after that? It's a horror movie. They start thinking of the fear, and then their worst nightmare happens. And you know, but I didn't really like it. Um, it was kind of. Eh. But then I saw a movie called Infinity Pool, which I absolutely loved. Um, I thought Infinity Pool was excellent. Alexander Starsgard's in it. Mia Goth's in it. Um, I didn't know what to expect going in. It's a Brandon Cronenberg film. His dad did a weird movie this year called Crimes of the Future. I thought that was a very just odd movie. So I was like, this is going to be another really weird movie. But I, I was pleasantly surprised. Infinity Pool was an awesome movie. And oh my God, the actress Mia Goth, um, she has like a British accent. She's like half Brazilian. She like, She steals the show in this movie. I mean, I thought Sarsgaard did a good job, but I thought Mia Goth took over this movie. She is an absolute star. Her specialty right now is horror movies, but I really I believe she could expand to other movies besides horror. Um, she's she's a you know she's an awesome actress. She's so talented, but she's just, she's super attractive and kind of unique looking. I like her. Um, and then I saw another movie on Saturday called Women Talking. Now this movie was interesting. It was. It was just really boring. I mean, the premise was okay. It was like, it's like a small Amish community. And basically the guys uh, drug the women when they're sleeping and rape them. They take their virginity. So you see the blood in the sheets. Uh, they don't show the rapes or anything like that, but they, you get the idea of what's going on. And the whole movie is just these women in these Amish like type religious community in like a large barn, just talking about what they should do. Should they stay? Should they leave? Or should they fight? Because um, they don't want to be raped anymore. They're asking questions like, if God's omnipotent, wouldn't God prevent all our suffering? Why would he let these guys rape us like this? Um, but if God's a revengeful God, maybe we should you know, kill these guys and get our revenge and then live our lives. 
So it's a lot of like deep questions. I'm like, there's a lot of good, like little insights and, and quotes and wisdom. Right. I wish I had like a little pen and paper at the movies. That I could just write down the little quotes. And I wish I, you know, when it comes out, you know, I don't know if I'm going to watch it again, but pausing it and just writing down this little, like, cause there's so much dialogue. Di- the whole movie is just dialogue, not a lot of action, but yeah, not, not, I didn't really like it that much. It was kind of boring, but those are the three movies I saw. My favorite that I saw was infinity pool. I highly recommend infinity pool. Really liked it. Um, and then uh, someone died, a famous hockey player named Bobby Hull. Um, Joe, you probably know a little bit about Bobby Hull. He was, he was 84. He was 84. He's Canadian. His nickname was the Golden Jet. He's considered one of the best hockey players of all time. He's in the Hall of Fame. And um, on March 25th, 1962, he became the first NHL player to score more than 50 goals in a season. And he also won a Stanley Cup in 1961 with the Blackhawks. I think he's played most of his career with the Blackhawks. I remember his his, his son, Brett Hull, was in the St. Louis Blues for most of his career. I remember his son, Brett Hull, I think he was also on the Red Wings at the end of his career. But so I knew, I know his son was really good. And then I found out, you know, his, his dad was like awesome. His dad might've been better than him, but so rest in peace to Bobby Hull. Uh, Joe, if you have anything to say about that, you can. Well, I say rest in peace to Bobby Hull as well. He's hockey's one of uh, hockey's finest. I also have, I want to just just pop in in the last twenty minutes. Um, actress Cindy Williams. Yeah, she who, just died. I saw that. Yeah, I wanted to bring that out because, man, I mean, anybody from my time, you know, you watched Fonzie and Happy Days, and then you watched Laverne and Shirley, and um, you know, Penny Marshall passed away not too long ago, and it's just you know the 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 pages of the book are turning uh, of you know our lives, our generation, and as people start you know start passing away, and uh, this one was significant. I mean, because of Laverne and Shirley and what that what that show meant to us as kids growing up and everything. I uh, and she was a, a hell of a nice lady too. So I did, just wanted to mention. Play, that. Did she play Shirley? Yes. Okay. Uh, yeah, I, I'll be honest. I don't really know who she was. I was like, who is this lady? Like, I saw it pop up in my feed. Like, she just died. Um, but, you know, did you, you know, so she was she was pretty, like, relevant in the 70s, I'm guessing? Yeah, what you had was in the mid, early to mid-70s, you had that show Happy Days. And that Happy Days with uh, Fonzarelli and with R- Richie Cunningham and all that kind of stuff. And it was about the 1950s. And it was a great show. And we were kids. We were just coming up. and Okay. And that show was so good that it had spinoffs. Now, Laverne and Shirley were two characters on the um, Happy Days show. And they were so good and so entertaining. They, you know, they had a spinoff on their own. Um, you know, and they had this, you know, uh, the great uh, song Shamil Slamazel Hoppinstead Incorporated. We're going <laughs> to do it, all this kind of stuff. And, Wait, what? and on, what did you just say? It was some kind of a. I still to this day don't know the, the were actual words, but it was Shlemiel, Slamazel Hoppinstead Incorporated. We're going to do it. <laughs> give us any rule, we'll break okay. it. Give it. It's this kind of thing, and it was a cool song. And Laverne and Shirley were were two cool gals, and they played. Um, they played two struggling, you know, young ladies who weren't married yet in 1950s. I think it was Milwaukee and they worked at a brewery and it was just, it was one of those 70s sitcoms that, that, um, like happy days and, and like good times and like all, all those mash and all those ones, they just have a special place in your heart. And those two girls did too, Penny Marshall and, and Cindy Williams. They, you know, you you felt like you knew them. And it was just one of those things that, um, Penny uh, Penny Marshall passed away. She was married to, um, if you've ever seen All in the Family, you remember Mike, the son-in-law. She, Penny Marshall was married to him in real life. Oh, so, 
yeah, that, that was that's that's honest to God true. And um, it was ju- it's just one of those days when I saw it, I said I'm going to mention it on the show tonight because that song just popped into my head. Uh, anybody can can go on YouTube too and see, uh, um, you know, Laverne and Shirley theme song. It's kind of cool. It's kind of cool. You know, they were skipping around and on the streets of Milwaukee, and it was just it it was just one of those uh, one of those good things. And yeah. and again, you'll find out when you get twenty twenty five years older from now, and you look back and you say, Oh, when I was a kid, we used to look at that. And it just it's it's you see you see the pages of the book turning. You know, you know, you know, you're getting you know, it is, it is what it is. It's, uh, people start falling by the wayside. So, but anyway, that's, uh, Cindy, Cindy Williams, rest in peace, girl. Rest in peace. Rest in peace, Cindy Williams. Uh, quickly, um, you know, you took a page out of my book. Apparently you started eating hard boiled eggs. (laughs) So what's going on with that? Well, I, I, I want to make sure, cause we always talk about, Hey, Joey, would you get her to treat cheat meal? And I tell you, I, I went to, I went through Taco Bell and I went through there like a, like a storm rolling over a Kansas farmhouse. And I do that maybe once or twice a week, but the other five days I try to, you know, really clamp it down. And I told you earlier today, I just left you a text or some voice message or something. And I said to you, I'm going to have three hard boiled eggs. And I'm going to have a, a tuna for sandwich with, with diet mayo and uh, a couple of those Lorna dunes that I mentioned on the show. A couple of those Lorna dunes will be my dessert. But I just started toying with you a little bit on the voice message because every time I talk to you about doing a show, you talk about, oh, yeah, I'll, I'm I'm sacrificing a lot. I'm here and I, I ate two hard boiled <laughs> eggs before the show. I'm like, what the, wait, what, 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 what are we going to start a GoFundMe page for you? Because no, you had I'm two hard boiled like eggs that. before the show? It's, <laughs> yeah, just saying no, not not because money wise. It's, it's a matter <laughs> of time. It's, it's a matter of time. It's also protein. It's good for you. Um, so if we have to do the show and I'm, I'm on a time crunch, it's like, what can I eat really quick? So I'll just I'll have a hard boiled egg. I'll put some salt on it. I'll take a bite, put some more salt on it. Take another bite, put some more salt on it. Um, then I'll have a couple pieces of the turkey. I mean, I'm ready to go. But the point I'm trying to make to you is instead of me sitting down like having this meal and then just you know delaying the show and just because I want to eat, I want to have a good dinner. I'm basically saying it's like Joe, you know, I'm really doing, you know, for the show, man. I'm I'm hating hard boiled eggs. It's kind of like a joke, you know. What I mean? so. <laughs> yeah, but so, I, and I and so look, all this is tongue in cheek, but um, I got news for you. Uh, first of all, another thing you might do 20 years from now is what I do now. I don't put salt on them. I put the the fake salt on it. It's called new salt, and they spell it N U salt. This is for seriously for people any anybody out there who might be even on the on the fringe of high blood pressure, and even if you're not. Why go there, right? It's called new salt, N-U. They don't say any, N-U salt. It's on a, in a royal blue type of, and you can buy it right where you buy salt and pepper and everything else, but there's no salt in this stuff, and it tastes like salt. So I don't know what it is, but I do know what it's not, right? So I use that, particularly on something like that, where you're going to reach for that salt shaker. Um, so you don't have to now. You're in good shape, and you're young. But... uh Eggs are delicious, and I'm not selling eggs here. I'm just you, sometimes we forget the simplest things in life. A couple hard boiled eggs, pretty good for you. Yeah, the yolk has a little fat, but there's also a lot of other protein and stuff like that in there. Yolks, uh, eggs are good food. You know, scrambled, sunny side up, whatever it is. Now, hard boiled, hard boiled is easier. Did you hear about the egg shortage? There's apparently there's an egg shortage. Prices of eggs have gone up a ton, apparently, and then an egg factory is burned down. Like I don't know what's going on. Like there's. I haven't bought, I, and I buy eggs like you know, once a month or something like that, maybe, maybe more. Um, 
And yeah, me too. Apparently, like you know, I don't know what I paid last time, but people are saying like eggs are super expensive now. I saw that in the news, and I just I I, I and I should notice, but I don't. I, when I go to the store, I I just remind myself with a little note of what to make, what to get. But it takes me about fourteen minutes to get my cart to go through, get what I need, and I stick to my note, and I just grab what I grab. Now I like Eglin's best. It's just that's those are the eggs I like. I don't give a rat's ass what unless they're seventeen dollars a carton. I don't care. I'm just going to grab them right. So. And some things I like are actually the discount brand. And so you'd be happy with me in some of those instances. <laughs> you'd probably be disenchanted with me in others, but it's all right. Um, but I was just, uh, I was just heckling you a little bit earlier today because I was getting my hard boiled eggs ready and I'm like, Oh, geez, should I let, should I let Sean know that I'm actually going through this arduous task of, of, of eating hard boiled eggs? What a sacrifice I'm making. And it's just, and it was just one of those being a smart guy with you, being, being smart ass with you. And we joke back and forth. That's what I thought that was. But it was funny. Uh, all that being said, I had three hard-boiled eggs with the fake salt. I had um, the tuna fish sandwich with, um, you know, diet mayo. Uh, and I had uh, the two packs, 140 per, so 280 calories I was done with dessert. Those are the kind of things I do during the week. And that's how that's how I'm able to 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 uh, earn those one or two nights on the weekend or weekend ish whatever the end is usually the weekend to go in and, and tear up you know and tear up something that i really like but to, then to get back on it and i'm going to tell you that taco bell tastes so good or that 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 uh, five guys burger and fries tastes so damn good at the end of the week when you do this it tastes better than if I just, you know, went right through. Cause I, I used to live like that too. I used to just uh, eat anything and everything whenever I wanted. Not a good idea, especially when you get older. So I'm able to control my weight, control my cholesterol. The doctor's happy. I'm happy. And I enjoy those little cheap people. So that's always, what's a big deal? What's well, a big deal when you're watching what you eat every damn day and you finally go, damn, it's the weekend. I'm going to get something, you know? So that's what that is, you know? Absolutely. All right. So let's move on to our actor of the week. Today's actor is Colin Farrell. Uh, he's an Irish actor. He was born in Dublin, Ireland, uh, May 31st, 1976. So he's about 10 years older than me. Um, he's an Irishman, isn't he? Yeah, he's Irish. Yep, he was born in Dublin, Ireland. Alive, um, alive, oh. His right. father and uncle were actually pro athletes, and he almost followed in their footsteps, apparently. Um, you know, he's a great actor. He's a, he's a goofball. I've seen him on late night shows with like Jimmy Kimmel and stuff, and he talks about how much he loves kebabs. There's a place uh, called like Abra Abra Cababra or something like that in Los oh, Angeles. Oh, it's a take on Abracadabra. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, he's got a black card because he goes there so much and he hypes it up so much. He's probably giving them, giving them so much publicity. They gave him a black card. He gets free kebabs whenever he wants, and he can bring anybody he wants, and they can get free kebabs too. So that's pretty cool. Um, yeah, he seems like a cool guy. I mean, he's a great actor. I think uh, he's an Irishman because I'm, I'm mostly Irish. I think I'm over like sixty percent Irish. Then I got a bunch of Italian. You know, a little German in there, but basically Irish and Italian. But um, his big break was in 2002 in Minority Report. Uh, that was a that was a really cool movie. I really enjoyed Minority Report. Uh, definitely in my top five. I'll talk about it. Um, and you know, 
he does he's he's known for kind of being a bad boy like he's some interviews that he's 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 getting interviewed on camera and he's smoking and drinking like whiskey and like cigarettes right in the interview promoting he did this when he was promoting the recruit right in the beginning of his career because his big break was in was in uh minority report in 2002 but um he was smoking and drinking during an interview in 2002 or you know like this guy really has some confidence because you would think you know i want to be respectful i want to be like you know this and that I'm an actor. I'm trying to make my way. I want to have a good reputation, but no, he was just smoking and drinking. He does, you know, he, he, he seems like the type of guy to march to his own beat. Yeah. Uh, you know, he, he's got an accent, but when he's in like different movies, he knows how to like turn the accent off, which I always respect. A lot of foreign actors, you would never know that they're British. You would never know that they're Irish. You never know that they're Scottish. You really would never know because they could just turn those accents off. Um, And, you know, I just think he's, you know, he's, he's a great, I think he's, he's probably borderline a list. He's probably like B at this point, he's probably like B plus, but I still put him in the a minus category. I think, cause he had a hell of a run. Um, he's been in like a lot of good movies. Some movies that he's been in most recent one is Banshees of Insurance. That I think that's a nominated for, uh, I think he got some, I think Brendan Gleeson or him got nominated in that. He, I think he won a golden globe for best actor in that. Actually, I got to check back on that, but, um, he he played the penguin in the new Batman with Robert Pattinson that came out this year. I saw. Um, okay. He was in the Gentleman. He was in the show called True Detective. He played a really cool role in that. Um, he was in Saving Mr. Banks, Seven Psychopaths with Christopher Walken, Total Recall it was a remake of the Schwarzenegger movie, Fright Night, Horrible Bosses. Uh, that's in my top five. I love that movie. So you know, Crazy Heart. The Jeff Bridges was in that. One of my favorite shows of all time, Scrubs. He, he was in one episode of that in 2005. He played Alexander the Great in 2004. Uh, he was in a movie called SWAT. Um, so basically his big break was around 2002 in Minority Report. But three of his movies from 2002 to 2003 made my top five. Recruit? Um, the Recruit. Basically Al Pacino is a CIA officer. And he, uh-huh. recruits, he recruits Colin. Colin Farrell is a bartender. And he recruits him to be in the CIA. His yeah. job is to find a mole in the CIA. And I'm, I'm surprised you love Al Pacino. I'm surprised you haven't seen this movie because it's like that movie, the recruit is really good. I think well, that really- rung a bell. I'm I'm skimming through the stuff that he did. Now, look, the dude, dude's been in a lot of stuff and he's he's got merit. He's been in here for a long time. But I was just trying. I haven't seen too many of his movies for whatever reason. But I do remember this is way back. I do remember thinking that I that I, I saw that one. So or at least a good part of it. So um just wanted to bring that to your yeah, attention. I, I, think I you, didn't totally whiff. Yeah, you absolutely <laughs> enjoy that movie. But um, so my top five for him, Banshees of Insurance is number one. I think. I, I, uh, I don't know. I put I put it number one. Yeah, I'm gonna go with number one. I just saw it. Thought it was an awesome movie. It's about two friends. Him and Brendan Gleeson are in it. They were both in a movie called In Bruges. That's from 2008. Everyone told me to watch In Bruges after I watched this movie because they said Gleeson and him are excellent in In Bruges. I like Banshees of Insurance so much better. I thought In Bruges was kind of boring. I didn't really like it. I agree with Dan Patrick, uh, one of my sports talk uh, heroes. He, you know, he was always making fun of the Bruges. Now I understand why. It's like a love or hate movie because some people really love that movie. But anyway, Banshees of Insurance, my number one movie. I really enjoyed it. It's about two friends and they don't want to be friends anymore. The one guy stops talking to his friend. They're like best friends. And one day he just stops talking to him. Yeah. He just stops talking. He goes cold turkey. He stops talking to his best friend. And it just keeps getting out of hand. It gets more and more dramatic. It gets kind of dark. It's kind of like a dark comedy, but I saw the movies recently. I really enjoyed it. Um, True Detective, that show is on HBO. Excellent show. He plays a guy named Ray. 
uh, detective. And there's one scene um, where his son's getting bullied. This guy, like, one of the kids steals his son's shoes. um, And he goes to the bully's house and he talks to the dad and the bully. And he says, you ever, you ever bully anyone ever again? I'll come back and beat your father with your, oh, 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 that's what he said. He said, you ever bully anyone ever again? I'll come back and butt F, you can read into that, butt F, your father with your mom's headless corpse on this goddamn lawn. And then he beat the crap out of the father of the bully and the bully saw it. And that's what he said to the bully after he beat the father up. So he really put some fear into that bully, you know? So. That's pretty but, uh, pretty intense stuff there, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I mean, imagine the, you know, if you have yeah. kids, your son's getting bullied, someone's you know making his life miserable, and you know, you want you're a father, so you get a little angry, you get a little rage in you. But you know, it's hype. <laughs> yeah, over, a little bit, but you know, they, they over they overdid it for the show, obviously. Yeah. But that, that was his character. His character was kind of a rough detective. Um, then number three, I'm going with horrible bosses. This was kind of out of his like normal comfort zone acting wise. He's he's he feels more of like a. Uh, kind of like an arrogant type character in a lot of movies. He's very cocksure of himself, but horrible bosses. He plays, it's a comedy movie. He plays like this. He's not bald, but he plays a guy who's like, he's got a comb over. He's going bald and he's got, he's a horrible comb over. It's obvious that it's like a, you know, fake bald and a comb over. But anyway, he plays, he plays the, uh, the boss's son. And the premise of the movie is these guys are so fed up with their bosses. They're like, our lives would be so much better without them. So they decide to kill their bosses. Uh, it's a comedy movie, but it's, it's pretty funny. Right. Jason right. Bateman's in it. Um, and they, his nickname in the movie is dipshed, dip, dipshit cokehead son. So he's, he's the, he's basically the <laughs> boss's son and they call his nickname. They all call him dipshit cokehead son. <laughs> right. Um, and he's just very, he says everything he says is very like, you know, arrogant and very annoying and very, you know, just the guy is like, he's a, he's a spoiled rich kid whose dad runs the company. Right. Um, and then he says something that Jason Sudeikis is in, is in a scene with him. And then he says, sit to Jason Sudeikis. And Sudeikis says, "Not he's not a dog. And then he immediately doesn't bad nice as good boy. He continues with the joke, comparing him to a dog. But <laughs> um, yeah, so so Banshees of Insurance, number one. True Detective, number two. Horrible Bosses, number three. Uh, I think the Recruit, I'm going to go with Recruit. I think Recruit, honestly, Recruit could be definitely top three, but it's at number four for me. Uh, the Recruit's, you know, I talked a little bit about it. He's a bartender who gets recruited by Al Pacino to be in the CIA. Um, very good movie. There's a lot of twists and turns. The ending's kind of surprising. Uh, so that was very good. That's from 2003. And then another movie he's in, I think I actually might have six here. So I guess I'll do a top six. Uh, yeah. All right. So number five will be Phone Booth. Phone Booth is a really intense movie. It's only about an hour and 15 minutes long, but it's about, he he, he answers the phone in the phone booth. And then the guy's like, takes some hostage, basically. He's got a sniper gun pointed at him. He's like, if you leave that phone booth, you don't do exactly what I say. Then I'm gonna shoot you. Um, very intense. The whole movie is very intense. Yeah. That was from 2002. And then Minority Report. I'm putting that at number six. But it, you know, I don't know. I, I really enjoyed Minority Report. It's basically it's a it's a cool concept. There's people call precogs. Um, precogs are able to tell the future, and basically the government and whoever society finds it takes place in the future. I think, and society finds out about these really powerful precogs who could like predict the future. They can use them to solve murders. Ever since they started using precogs, they've there's been no murders at all. There's been no murders, and then would be killers who they people who they know are going to kill somebody. They can they can like read their mind. They're placed in an electrically induced coma and held in a uh, panacoptin like prison facility. Um, but anyway, he plays he plays a, a cop named Danny in that movie, and he's very well spoken. 
it's not like his normal character. He's not really arrogant. He's just a well-spoken cop in my right. minority report from what I remember. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's my top six. You know, when I do these top sixes, it's with a grain of salt because I don't really like doing, I don't really like choosing the best, you know, the worst things. I just know what I really like and what I was entertained by. So I'm just doing it for the show, I guess. I'm going to do numbers connected to them, but that's my top six. Um, and uh, yeah, it's just, uh, I just love the scripts that he chooses. All the, all the movies that he's in is pretty interesting. And they're, they're, they're all entertaining movies. Like he knows what works and wh- whoever his agent is. And if, he, if he's reading the scripts and he's putting the final approval on it, um, very, very cool movies that he chooses. You know, they're really like guy movies too. I don't like they're obviously girls can watch the movies too. But you no, know, there's a phrase a guy said, like, this is a guy movie. This is for guys, you know, type of thing. This is like the boys are gonna love this movie. Um, they're a little raunchy, a little violent, they're a little edgy. Um, there's plenty of those movies, you know. Listen, girls could love those movies too. I'm not saying they're they're not for girls, but it's just a, it's a it's an endearing phrase that we use. Like this is you know, this is a guy type movie, right? Um, right. a lot of those type of movies. You know, like Seven Psychopaths, you know, that type of movie. Right. Uh, and I just total, want to clarify. Mm-hmm. I just want to clarify something, too, for audience members, too, that because uh, I've, I've talked about this before. You're a very efficient shopper. You tell me all, a lot of deals here or there with Panera Bread and the Free Drink Club and this and that. And the reason why you're seeing so many movies is, well, first of all, you like drama. You like movies. You like it. And second of all, you, you got a good deal on some kind of a free pass where you can watch movies from here to Hell's Green Acre and it's not going to cost you anything. That That's one reason why you're, you know, you've seen so many movies. I just wanted to well, point no, that out. Just- well, I just I got the subscription. Cool. Just, I got this. I got it last year in uh, March, but mm-hmm. even before I got the subscription, this is this is rekindled that subscription to AMC uh, Stubbs. Just uh-huh. rekindled my love for going to the movies because it's one of those things. But if COVID didn't happen, I'm not sure if I would, I would have got the subscription during COVID. I'm, I was thinking, am I ever going to be able to go to the movies again? Am I ever going to be able to go out? Um, and then I started thinking, like as I'm getting older, we don't always have people to go to the movies with. Once I got the subscription, I started just going to the movies by myself and then just enjoying them. Like, I don't need anybody with me. I'm just, if I want to go to the movies right now, I'll go. I don't have to agree on a schedule. I don't have to meet anybody there. They don't have to like the movie. I can just see whatever I want. But yeah, you're right. I love movies. I'm a movie buff. Before I had the subscription, though, I, I had seen thousands and thousands of movies in my lifetime. I love watching TV and movies, so I'm, I'm consuming it constantly. So uh, it's just, you know, the ones that I talk about that I've seen in theaters, yeah, I'm keep, basically every movie that comes out now, I'm seeing everything that comes out. So I'm on top of my game with any recent movie that comes out. But, you know, I had pretty, uh, you can ask me pretty much about almost any movie that's like pretty relevant. And there's a high chance that I've seen it. So I appreciate you noticing that I, uh, I love movies. So yes, I do. Sir. That's cool. Um, I just want to quickly talk about the one scene in the recruit with Al Pacino. Al Pacino come, recruits him at a bar and uh, Colin Farrell asks, would I have to kill anyone? All he knows about the CIA is that there are a bunch of uh, fat old white guys who aren't there when you need them the most. And Pacino says, you don't know shit. And Farrell says, he knows what he knows. So you can get a kind of an idea. He's got a kind of snarky kind of uh, dialogue. He's kind of a cocky little arrogant character, but he's very smart and talented. The CIA wants him bad. So, you know, I just thought that the, 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 the combination of Pacino and Farrell in that movie was very good. And it really turned uh, Farrell into a star. I thought that was, his, that was his coming out. I mean, I thought they say minority report was his coming out role. But I think uh, I think the recruit really was his coming out role. Um, but anyway, he's a great actor, very talented. He's from Ireland. He's Irish like me, and uh, I respect and me. You. what and me. You're oh, Irish. I'm, I'm, I'm quarter Irish. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, so Snapple fact number eight hundred ninety four. 
Jousting is the official sport of Maryland. What do you think about that, Joe? Jousting is the official sport of Maryland. Yep. That I would not have known. You're talking about, you're talking about like, you know, on guard, you know, it's kind of like just with the swords and everything. Is yeah, that jousting? Okay. It became the official sport of Maryland in 1962. Wow. Um, they were the first state to adopt an official sport. So in 1962, I guess people were still jousting or something. It's official, they made it the official sport of the state. So. You know, the official anything of it is always a surprise. You know, it's always like, wow, I didn't ever, you know, sometimes every once in a while, it's, wow, I could have figured that. But most often it's, are you serious? Okay. Have you ever been, have you ever gone to medieval times? No, sir. Oh, because that's a pretty cool experience. Like you go there and you watch like these knights on horses, like joust and do all these like things that knights used to do back in the day. Yeah. And uh, you sit there and they, they serve you like a piece of rotisserie chicken. And uh, all like you know, food that they had back in the the, right. the uh, those, what do they call it? What medieval, medieval times, basically back in medieval times. Medieval, yeah. Yeah. So um, it was a pretty cool experience. If you ever get a chance to go, I recommend it, man. You get to see it. It's like dinner and a show. Literally, you're watching yeah. people. You know, it's all like it's like basically fake, but it's pretty. It's pretty entertaining. Right. And you I've get, seen. You get I've a meal seen while you're there. I've seen that show on, on so many movies and TV shows that I almost feel like I've been there. And I'm, I'm a history. I love history. I love to step back. I like walking through old buildings just to get a feel like, geez, if these walls could talk. And I mean, you know, these are the same walls that were here when when this one said that one to that one or they, they decide you know, this kind of a thing. So um, it would be neat to go to one of those, I think, at some point. But I've seen so much of those on TV. And commercials and on movies and on shows that I feel like I've been the one already. And, you know, I don't know. It's, uh, but yeah, I think at some point I will. At some point I will. Yeah. yeah. So jousting is the official sport of Maryland. I mean, I'm not really sure what else to say about it, except apparently they have an official sport and apparently it's jousting. So it's pretty interesting. If anybody doesn't know what jousting is, you know, it involves basically like sword fighting, right, Joe? Sword fighting. You got you got you got a shield and a sword, right? Yeah, it's that old thing where the one guy says on guard and the other says, OK, and they start, you know, the back and forth. And they wear those white. They look like uh, hazardous material, you know, suits those. White. But yeah, I would have thought something like crabbing, I fishing yeah. or crabbing, I thought would be the sport for Marilyn. But interesting. Yeah, because there's the thing with the white mask and stuff. Um, that's that's uh, fencing. There's actually, That's a real sport in college. Okay, this um, is what I'm getting confused with. Okay, okay, with the thinner. Okay, these are the real thick blades. And the honest to God, I think they're the. I think they're almost the same thing, though. I, I really do. Yeah, I think I think they are. They're just different are equipment. Similar. Yeah, they, it still exists in college. I mean, they had jousting at. They had uh, fencing at. You know, the college I went to freshman year. So, anyway, let's move on to on the real on the real segment, Joe. You ready for this? I'm gonna stump you. Oh, you probably will. It's, I just, and I don't feel real sharp, but go ahead. Yeah. So you talked about my, uh, I go to a lot of movies, you know, All right. I have an AMC movie subscription. I was very happy when I saw this story. I was pumped. AMC theaters <laughs> announced that they have plans to show the Super Bowl, Super Bowl 57 between the Eagles and the Chiefs at all their theaters. It only costs $25 to sit there and watch it on the big screen, but they give you bottomless popcorn and soda. So what do you think about that? You think it's a would you would you ever want to watch the Super Bowl in like a movie theater and eat bottomless popcorn? I think and it's soda? not happening, and I think it's an erroneous story. Okay, um, that's it's interesting you think that because it's pretty plausible to me because they they show a lot of pay per view events there. They have they don't have just movies; they have they have special next, events. Next so. one, next right. one. 
<laughs> Don't stop trying to sell me this one, dude. <laughs> I'm, trying I'm, trying, I'm trying to lead you in the right direction. <laughs> no, you're not. You're uh, trying to lead me down a rabbit hole, but go ahead. <laughs> a man was killed in Kansas by, a, by, by his own dog. Uh, the dog's in the back seat. Uh, there's a shotgun in the back seat. The dog stepped in the trigger. And the 30-year-old man was the front passenger in the pickup truck. And the, the pooch stepped on the hunting rifle in the back seat. And he was struck in the back and killed instantly. So, you know, it was man's best friend, but there was a really tragic accident. The dog stepped on a shotgun and killed his owner. Um, so that's story number two. Story number three. There is a serial toilet stealer on the loose. Uh, there is a, we don't know if it's a man, woman, who it is, but there's a man or woman traveling to public businesses and somehow stealing the toilets in Birmingham, Alabama. Police are stupefied by how the suspect is doing it. Surveillance footage keeps getting erased around the time of the theft. So he's stealing the toilets, but he's he's going out of his way to like somehow erase the surveillance uh, and cut, you know, hide himself well enough. But He's stealing toilets. And when I saw that, I was like, okay, we live in a weird world. Why is this guy stealing toilets? I wonder if he was related to that guy that broke in the (laughs) (laughs) Chick-fil-A. Anyway, I'll tell you what. You're good at this, Sean. You really are. And you're probably going to get me. But the one that I buy is the dog inadvertently triggering that shotgun. That's the one that I buy. Uh, you are you are correct. Did you did you wow. see that? Did you see that in the news? Or you just guessed it. No, I just guessed it. And you you know why too, Sean? I mean, this is this is a true story. Um, a buddy of mine that I went to high school with it was our senior year. Uh, there was a bar down the street from where he lived, and this is just an old house where the guy that owned the bar lived upstairs, and he had the bar downstairs. Richie's Tavern was the name of it. Uh, but it, it turns out one night, um, Richie, the owner, was um reaching under his bed for a shotgun that he kept under there, and he reached under there and it went off and it it, it took him out. And I'll never forget that. That how just how volatile, just how you know it's not always a good idea to have a gun around. And if it is, yeah, that kind of scary. and that's a true story, dude. So could a dog jumping around trigger something? And then if you're firing a shotgun. That can go right through whatever it is and into someone's vital organs, the back and everything. And that's that's why I did. That's why I thought that um, the, um, the the last one I thought was more. It was more like the Chick-fil-A dude. I just saw that. Yeah. Um, and it, it was that bizarre. I think I saw it on on the news. And the first one was what? What was the first one? Oh, the uh, yeah. I, I think you just went to the movies, so you come up with something there. That's, that's well, kind of what I also, did. Because it's one of those things where they, you know UFC, UFC fighting, they have UFC like pay per view events at local movie theaters. So it's it's you know it's basically I, I took that knowledge of knowing that they have that, and then I'm thinking, right. you know, why don't they do this for the Super Bowl? And then I just I put some details in there. I'm like, okay, they have bottomless popcorn and soda. And I thought you would think that's like pretty because it's not a far fetched story from the do yeah, that, right? But you have to check with Steve, the manager, first, right? I mean, <laughs> I, my only thing was, um, I, I, I would have bought it if it were a fight or something like. But the Super Bowl is not pay per view, and see, that's where the that's the variable there that that I think that could have persuaded me a little, persuaded me a little bit. But hey, I was not stumped by the very, very deceptive Sean. So. <laughs> I'm I'm proud. I'm proud yeah, so cool. far. So that, that's cool. actually on the real segment this week. Uh, so we're moving on. Uh, Brian Koberger update. The monster segment. The Idaho killer. Potential Ugh. Idaho killer, but it's pretty, you know, the, the arrows are really pointing at this guy. Um, 
So basically, the DNA evidence amounts to a very strong case, but does not necessarily place him at the scene of the time, the scene of the crime at the time of the killings. Um, they can't place him there. Um, they're saying that they're saying the Coburg's DNA could have ended up there from someone shaking Brian's hand and then touching the, the knife sheath that he left his knife sheath there, the thing that protects the knife, the blade. Um, they said someone could have shook his hand and then they could have touched the knife sheath. So they have these theories, you know, and they're saying, you know, the DNA evidence there, they have a strong case, but they still have to be able to place him at the, at the, the crime scene. So well, another thing about the knife knife sheath, um, John, and I heard someone mention this, and this is actually an interesting concept. That this cat was a criminal; he was studying criminology. Yeah. What better excuse? What better defense to put that knife sheath there, leave it behind, and then have my attorney say later? My client is a criminologist and he's got a degree in here. Now, do you think that he would be someone with his background and his expertise in criminology? Do you think he would ever be so careless as to what a great out that is? You understand what I'm saying? Yeah, I know. Yeah, absolutely. So you built it. You built it. He could have had that. This was premeditated, Jack. He could have had that lined up all the way, you know, so who knows? Yep. I mean, the guy, the guy outsmarted himself because, you know, uh-huh. all the evidence points to him. And I don't know what's going on with that lawyer. The lawyer that's representing him, um, the public defender represented the, the victim's parents too in other cases. And, you know, we talked about the last episode. That's, yeah, that's I, don't, I don't know what the hell that's. Um, our others, we're going to combine these segments for now. Alex Murdoch case, the trial started. Um, so I listened to the opening statement today and the lawyer, the prosecutor is basically saying, there was multiple shots to uh, Murdaugh, Alex Murdaugh's wife and son with oh. intent to kill. But he <sighs> said Paul and Maggie had no defensive wounds. Uh, they were shot at close range, but the cell phone GPS shows that he was there at the time of the murders before the other people's phones um, were gone. You know, he used the phrase like went, went silent, but, you know, anyway, they said the cell phone, his cell phone GPS shows that he was there at the time of the murder murders. But, um, it's the state's burden to prove beyond a reasonable doubt. And malice, if there's malice, it just has to exist just for a split second. It doesn't have to be completely premeditated for weeks and years and months and weeks and days and hours. Just malice has to exist for a split second before the crime is committed. It doesn't have to be planned. So they, they, can, they can still find them guilty um, as long as they can find some malice. If they find any malice, even a split second before he committed the murders, uh, that's going to help their case. And circumstantial evidence is just as good as direct evidence. And the lawyer, the prosecutor used a really good analogy. He said, uh, um, circumstantial evidence is like if you're in a room and you hear it raining outside, it's storming outside, and then you go outside, um, but it's not raining anymore, but you see puddles everywhere. Well, the circumstantial evidence is that it was just raining outside, right? So I thought that was a pretty neat analogy he used. Yeah, and you get enough of that circumstantial evidence, and it's like, hey, what's you know, you know, and let me put it this way too, especially with the Crumburger thing, they don't travel across the country to get you, you know, if they don't think that you know, there's you know, and then you got the DNA thing, and you got all kind of, um, and with the other guy, he, he's had just you know, if this were the isolated incident. But given, and I know in court, a lot of times they say, well, they, they can't, they can't bring that into this and they can't bring that into this. But my God, if you just look at, he's had two or three incidents and you, you alluded to them before the whole history here. Um, okay. Here's a question for you then, Murdoch. If you didn't do that, 
Who did? I know it's not your burden to prove that, but it's just like the OJ Simpson thing where uh, I don't know who did it. I don't know. I would like to go find that guy. OJ, it's been about 20 years. It's been over 20 years. How are you doing with finding the real killer, brah? Oh, you're playing golf? Oh, I'm sorry. And first of all, there's there's nothing. There's not one scintilla, not one shred of evidence anywhere suggesting that it was anyone else other than OJ Simpson. On the face of the earth. Okay? That's my kind of thing. Yeah, so, okay, Murdoch, that, who else did it then if you didn't? Yeah, I always think, like, um, how was OJ... Ugh. Like, he must have a, he must have a weird mind. Because if he really did commit these murders, and he's living his life, and he's he's constantly, like, writing books about how he did it, how, you know, how he... He wrote a book, like, If I Did It. He wrote a whole book called If I Did It. It's all about if he actually did it. I think, you know... So he's out there, like, defending himself and really oh, yeah. saying he's innocent. And he's, he's golfing. He's living his life. Um, but if he knows that he killed like his ex-wife and her boyfriend, yeah, how how is his how is he living with himself? How is he so? How is he not like you know, driven to suicide or you know he's got no remorse? It sounds like yeah, you figured he would do the world a favor and just maybe go eat a bullet or something. I don't know, but um, you know, I I, I you're talking about the mind of someone who can do something like this well, because he was and, he was a he was a beloved football player he was in movies an actor in hollywood after his career was over and like he was like a, he seemed like a pretty like normal cool type of funny easygoing guy and then this happens it's like whoa <laughs> i could just tell you also that you're talking about um sociopathic behavior and it's like well i don't feel remorse because i really can't and you know what's pissing me off is everyone keeps you know bugging me about this stuff and you know what the hell i had a bad night and she was cheating on me so you know what the hell you did what i did but uh leave it alone you know yeah. that's his mindset <laughs> you know what i mean leave it alone just forget about it. it's over it's over you know that guy so um you know, and then he was doing there was, there's proof that there was methamphetamine and shit like that so you take that kind of twisted sociopathic mind to begin with and then you start feeding it heavy narcotics brother you got recipe for anything to happen and he probably got so jacked up i mean really he probably got so jacked up that night that probably anyone else that came along would have been killed too you know so um Woof! Uh, it, it's it's yeah. it's a scary maybe, thing. Maybe, but... maybe one episode we'll uh, we'll talk a little bit more about OJ. We'll give our opinions on OJ. But right now we're going to do the the current event. Yeah, um, I went off on a tangent there. Sorry, go ahead. Uh, five officers charged with murder in Memphis police killing. Um, Tyree Nichols. I think it's Tyree. T Y R E. I think it's Tyree. Tyree. I don't think yeah. I don't think I don't think someone would name their kid Tyre. Tyre. No, it's Tyree. Probably Tyree. Uh, Tyree Nichols, a 29-year-old black man. Um, the footage is absolute appalling. The, the video footage has been released. People have seen it. It's clear. These five officers, um, the victim is black. The five officers are also black. So it doesn't sound like a uh, white-on-black hate crime right, with racism involved. Um, the black-on-black crime, which is even more uh, heartbreaking, that their fellow black officers would kill one of their own in such a, such a horrible way. Um, mm. Basically he was stopped for suspicion of reckless driving this month. So January of 2023, uh, January 7th, um, he was stopped for suspicion of reckless driving. Uh, and then they beat him pretty badly. And three days later he died. He was in hospitalized for critical condition. And three days later he died. Five officers, um, they were all fired, and they're charged with second-degree murder. 
And it's just not, it's one of those, you know, we always try to defend the police and we think they're like great and everything, but these there's bad apples. There's really dangerous individuals who have authority and license to use lethal force on people and use that they're a cop as an excuse. Yeah. So I don't know what was going on. Um, they were, they're part of the specialized unit patrolling high crime areas of the city. Uh, they had used a level of force that was beyond, exce- beyond excessive, uh, you know, in the past, I believe they're part of a special high crime, uh, unit. They had a nickname too. Um, you know, so in their initial statement, they said a confrontation, the cops said a confrontation occurred. Uh, they approached Mr. Nichols vehicle. He ran away. Then there was another confrontation. Then as officers arrested him, um, he complained, Mr. Mr. Nichols complained of shortness of breath and the ambulance was called. But, uh, you know, he suffered severe, extensive bleeding, you know, from the beating. Mm. Um, so, you know, the footage, is, it's clear, the footage is there. They, everyone knows what happened. This guy was murdered, basically. And all he wanted to do was go home. He kept saying, I want to go home. Calling for um, mama. Yeah, he was, be- he was beaten for three minutes, three whole minutes. You know, see, it doesn't seem like that long, but it could feel like an attorney. Imagine being beaten for that long, because you know, when you cut yourself, you have a paper cut. It hurts for that split second. It's like, oh my oh. god, that really hurt. Imagine for three whole minutes being, you know, constantly just beaten. You know, when you're involved in something like that, three minutes is an eternity. First of all, I saw, I saw, I wanted to wait and reserve opinion um till i saw the uh, the films and the films you know they pull him over and he's like well what did i do and it didn't take long they're pulling him out and if the guy was running away in this scenario i think he was running because he was scared he was just scared and and, uh, look here's the thing here's the thing first of all when you're a police officer and i know the job is hard when you're a police officer you had, I dealt with, 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 with kids with psychological preteens and so forth, psychological problems and this and that. And they, sometimes they escalate and they go off and they can call you any name in the book. You are the staff member. You are the professional. Let them call you every name in the book. And then when they're settled down an hour later, they're going to apologize. They didn't mean it, but you can't escalate with them. Perhaps you catch yourself a little bit escalating, but then like the key is you catch yourself. When you were a police officer, that guy could have been calling them every name in the book which this guy wasn't by by the yeah, way there's a but, there's a long-standing problem in policing it's officers who physically punish civilians for a perceived disrespect or disobedience it's sometimes it's called contempt of cop yes so they, they get really angry if they perceive disrespect or disobedience and they, they flip a uh, flip switches Right. Uh, so, right. And, and, and I can un- even understand, I can even understand that because I used to work with kids and when I would feel like they, 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 you know, just disrespect, I would get angry, but I'd never get, I mean, and they have to be able, the cops have to be able to catch themselves and, you know, they really do and they have to be expecting that disrespect and it, it is what it is and they don't like it, but you know what? Now that's in a scenario which, which the defendant or whoever it is, is giving you a bunch of guff. Even when they're giving you a bunch of talk and a bunch of guff, you get them locked up in their handcuffs and you get them, you know, chest down, you get them in a position where they're no longer a threat whatsoever. You back, you back, you back off. You, there's, you know, what are you doing? It, it, it's over. And what I don't understand there well, is. Let me let me color in. I'll let you talk in a second, but let me just color in some of this. So there's an article today in New York Times. It's called 71 commands in 13 minutes. Officers gave 
Tyree Nichols impossible orders. They gave him 71 commands in 13 minutes, right? Oh my and God. They're often simultaneous and contradictory. Um, oh. it's, pretty, it's pretty brutal when you actually read about this stuff. Uh, there are a barrage of commands from the police officers. They're confusing, conflicting, and sometimes even impossible to obey. Uh, for example, they commanded him to show his hands even as they were holding his hands. Uh, they told him to get on the ground when he was on the ground. They oh ordered him to reposition, reposition himself even when they had control over his body. So they're giving him orders which are impossible for him to follow. Right. So they're giving him orders that they know he can't fulfill, but their justification for giving him one more hit with the nightstick is he didn't follow that order. That's kind of a thing. That's, that's, that is vile. Is you know what I'm saying? Doing? Like that's vile. Like, show me your hands. Your hands are locked up in, in handcuffs and you're laying on your hands. Show me your hands. Are you didn't show me think- your hands. Bap! I'm going to hit you with another one. Exactly. I don't, I don't think, oh. that, I don't think he reached for a gun because from the very beginning when they pulled them over, they said all three officers started screaming on the ground. Um, there was just, you know, he was confused from the very beginning. Um, you know, he was already sitting on the ground when they instructed him to sit on the ground. Like he's, what else can he do? He's already on the ground. What else can they possibly want from this man? Well, let, um, let, let, yeah, go ahead. And, go ahead. Um, they're, you know, issuing commands while simultaneously controlling and beating him. Uh, so, you know, it's uh, the, the, officer, the officers are planning to plead not guilty. So I'd love to hear what they come up with when they, when they plead their case. Like, how are they not guilty? Well, I'm going to reiterate one more time, too. When you're a cop, you got to expect that kind of bullshit from people. And a lot of times the person's going to be on drugs or drunk or mouthing off. You, you do what you got to do. You take it. You, you, you're above that. You're, you're a police officer, right? You get the per, and especially once you get the person in a position, handcuffs or whatever, where they're no longer a threat, they're not going to do anything. It's over. They can keep chirping all they want. Now that's a, that's even with it, with it, with an irate type of, with a guy like this who did nothing, said nothing. I can't help but so on, but wonder. I can't help but wonder if one of these police officers had a personal vendetta of some sort with this guy way before he even drove down the street. Like they were lying in wait or they were following him. I'm going to get this son of a gun because he did X, Y, and Z to me. And I got a personal vendetta with him. And I'm going to use my badge as, as you know, doesn't it, sound, do doesn't it sound like we, we're just we're just seeing the tip of the iceberg? There's a lot more we're going to find out. There's a lot more so. ba- potential yeah. backstory here that they they these officers knew who this guy was before this. Because otherwise, I mean, what's going on? Are they all on steroids? Was it road rage? What's their excuse going to be? They're all on steroids. Or it was road rage. Therefore, they lost control of themselves because they were had so much road rage. I mean, I don't understand what the heck happened. The guy was doubled over, calling out for his mother, and the blows. Oh, oh. yeah. Um, yeah, it's pretty, you know, the video is, uh, when a grown man crawls out for, calls out for his mother, you stop, you yeah, know, you just stop. This video is available online. You can see and it contains graphic violence. So just a warning to anybody who wants to check out this video. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty intense, but, but um, you're right too, that, um, and just as a white dude, I'm, 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 I'm not glad anything happened, but it's just, um, just as a white dude, this happening with with four or five African American officers shows it highlights that often this is not what it appears to be, which is racially motivated. It's a power thing. 
So I, I, I want, I'm, you know, at least this highlighted that my heart breaks for this. This poor guy was, listen, I don't, I honestly, I don't think they were trying to kill him. Is this worse than Rodney King? Well, it's worse because he died, right? It's worse than because he died. And it's worse because with Rodney King was on PCP and he, he, he was given some kind of, of resistance. Now there was a moment in time there also that even with the resistance Rodney was putting up that they had him tied up and they should have stopped and they kept up. Okay. So, but it is worse in that regard because this guy didn't offer and this guy looked, looked like he was trying to cooperate. I mean, what the hell? You what's going on? He looked like it, yeah. that's what leads me to believe that one of these cops had their had this guy in the crosshairs for a whole different reason. But I can beat you. To, I can beat you. I can beat the living shit out of you, for lack of a better term, and get away with it because I'm going to do it using yeah. my job and 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 the, you know pulling you over as a, as a as a guys yeah. right. Yeah. I'll use that as a smokescreen. He, That's what it appears like, dude. Yeah, he, he. I mean, he's barely conscious and or coherent, but they continue to treat him as if he was resisting orders. I mean, what is? I don't know because cops are supposed to be like really like you know powerful, uh, dangerous sort of people who can like you know they could fight the criminals. The criminals are supposed to be the bad guys, but the cops are supposed to be even badder. But they're getting they're doing it in a just way. They're getting justice for people. They're they're carrying out the law and they're protecting civilians. So they're supposed to be tough guys, but. These guys had a salary, um, a good salary at that. They had a good job. They were doing you know good things, preventing crime, and then they decided to ruin their whole career. It's like the story I just saw where the girl, the the one girl cop, the married cop, she she went to a party or something like that, and she let like four other police officers have sex with her, and all those officers pretty much got fired, including her. I'm thinking. You know what is going on? How are you? Like you have good jobs and you're you know you get paid well. You got you're gonna have a good pension when you retire. What are you? What are you doing these things for? Why even? You know why do stuff like this? It doesn't make any sense. Crazy, crazy stuff, Sean. I just I just feel so. One thing I have to. One thing I have to mention uh, with with that, with that, that Tyree's mother. I was so impressed with her. That she had a moment to uh, she had a moment to address those those police officers, and she just said to them, "You know, you you disgraced yourself, you disgraced the police, you disgraced disgraced your families too." She said, "But you know what? I'm going to pray for you anyway." I mean, that to me is, I mean, that's that's you know, wow, that's that's heavy, and that's that's she's a walking testament to i mean she's she's not just talking to talk she's walking the walk i mean that is phenomenal and yeah. she what a woman what a great what what a what a woman and i i i pray for her because of the loss and the way she lost her son too i include her in my prayers every night too and 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 all parents that go through that that's not it's that's it, it's, it's unconscionable but anyway i just figured i'd um shine a little positive light there too that uh his mother and father, but particularly I heard his mother talk and talk about, yeah, but I'm going to, I'm going to pray for you guys anyway. Wow. Deep. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, prayers, thoughts and prayers for uh, Mr. Nichols's family and uh, yep. hopefully justice is served. You can't bring him back to life. Obviously no. officers did their damage, but 
hopefully those officers spend a lot of time in prison for the rest of their lives and have a lot of time to really reminisce and think about what they did. Yep. Yep. So moving on to uh, sports. Uh, so yesterday the Eagles played a football game, apparently, and they, <laughs> uh, they beat some team from San Francisco called the 49ers, and they advanced to something called the Super Bowl. Um, yes, sir. <laughs> yeah, so I, I was actually – I was right. I had boots on the ground there, man. I was – I wanted to see Villanova Providence with my dad. That game was at 12. We left We left around 9 a.m., even before that, and we got there you know, before 10 a.m., and because uh, my dad knows some Eagles fans, and they said, you know, get there. They're, these Eagle fans are going to be rabid. They're going to be pumped up. They're going to be drinking. Their parking lot's going to be packed. So get there pretty early. So uh, you know, went to Villanova Providence and uh, saw that game. But there was some. It was, it was Eagles territory. This was Eagles. It was it was a, this day was for the Eagles. Villanova was a secondary thought this day, but we happened to be you know sharing right. the parking lot. But um, yeah, I mean. It was the Villanova Providence game. We we lost. We'll quickly talk about that real quick. We lost to Providence. Just but Justin Moore came back. The guy who, who ruptured his Achilles last year in the tournament, our best player, is back. That was a surprise. So I saw his first game back. I was very happy about that. But before the game, I met Randy Foy, who was a Villanova legend. He was drafted seventh in the 2006 draft by the Celtics. Then he was traded to the the Blazers. Then traded to the Timberwolves. You know, he played for the Timberwolves to begin his career. But he was drafted. He was seventh pick in the draft. I met him yesterday. He took a picture of me. Uh, very nice guy. Um, I wanted to take a selfie, but his friend was right there. His friend's like, oh, I'm Randy's professional photographer. So uh, <laughs> he took a picture of me and Randy. That was pretty cool. And then uh, a second later, I saw Jermaine Samuels, another villain of a legend. Um, and uh, I, <laughs> he took a picture of me, but I felt bad. I said to him, I know he's in the G League. He's in the, he's in the NBA minor leagues. It's called the G League. I know he's in the G League, but for some reason, like, I, I don't know. I was like three or four be- beers deep, and I was excited to meet Jermaine. I just met Randy, and then I was excited to meet Jermaine. And I said to him, I was like, hey, man, you, you're going to be playing in Europe? And he's like, no, I'm in the G League. So it's like the people in the G League are really trying hard to get to the NBA. So I don't know if I accidentally insulted Jermaine by assuming that he's playing in Europe because he's not good enough for the NBA. But I do think Samuels has potential to play in the NBA. He can be like a kind of a, a high-energy type role player, in my opinion. That's his ceiling. Um, because I saw him what he did for Villanova. He's like, he plays hard, he's tough as nails. So Jermaine, I apologize for assuming that you're going to Europe. You know, he's on the G League, he's in the G League, the the Pacers minor league team. He's in the Fort Wayne Mad Ants. He's having a good season, apparently. Um, so you know, Jermaine, keep doing your thing, buddy. But as far as football goes, uh, your team, Joe, your team advanced to the Super Bowl. Um, and I was cracking up because you were sending me voice notes through the game. And you were calling uh, Brock Purdy Broccoli. I was cracking up at that. <laughs> yeah, I, I forgot his name. I knew it was something like that, Broccoli. I don't know. But my my thing was that everyone was, well, yeah, oh, he, they didn't have their quarterback. Well, well for, let, 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 let's just look at it. First of all, let, that, that 49er, that vaunted, scary, dominant 49er defense was missing no one. Okay? Was missing no one. Okay? Bosa... Bosa was out there on that side and he was going against an injured Lane Johnson has his stomach muscle hanging off the bone. It's, it's not even, I mean, it's, it's hanging. It's not even, and Lane Johnson um, nullified Bosa all day long. Okay. And the rest of that defense, they played well at times, but at, at one point the Steichen said, you know what? We're not having success throwing the ball here like we really should be. I don't know what's going on. We're not supposed to be able to run against these guys, but let's try it anyway because we run it pretty well. <laughs> well, they ran the shit out of the ball, and it was all over. Now, 
That's their defense, okay? They put up 30. What, how many points did we put up yesterday? 31 or something? I don't know, 30, 31 or I think it was 31 against yeah, that vaunted 49er 31 defense. 31-7 was final score. They're right. So now. You said, you, I think your prediction, Joe, I got you know, to give you credit here. Your prediction was like 30 to 17. So you, yeah. you said 30 points, you were right. And uh, I think you know, the only thing that was kind of surprising was most of your touchdowns are rushing touchdowns. Well, it, it, it was, it was really weird. It was just one of those things, but that's what I love about my football team. That's why I think they're going to win the Super Bowl is because they can, I mean, Chiefs don't run the ball. They, I don't know. Do they have a running? I don't, they don't, they really, they're, they we go got look Pacheco, at Pacheco, and they got Jarek McKinnon. Yeah. I got your Pacheco best. too, but I got yeah. Pacheco too for you. But listen, um, <laughs> they don't run the ball. <laughs> they just don't run the ball. You can't compare that little Checo shit to what we do. We yeah. power the ball. We run the ball. And look, they have a, a, a flashy quarterback. Yes, they do. I don't even know how healthy he's going to be. But even him at 100%, you need to have a running game and a passing game, okay? Uh, we have a tremendous pass rush, too. We have people that can cover. I just see our offense against that <laughs> that that Chiefs defense. Oh, my goodness. We're, it's going to be, do we want to run it down their throat, or do we want to throw it at that weak secondary? I yeah, mean, really. Not, that, that, a lot of, uh, I heard Eli Manning talking a little bit today on Dan Patrick's show. He said you guys use a lot of RPO, uh, run pass option. So Jalen always has the option to uh, to pass or run, and the defense doesn't know what he's going to do. Right, and in, in in the NFL, if you freeze those linebackers for like a second, a second and a half, that's like a month. Yeah, man, and you could do all kinds of stuff. So yeah, they're really good at what they do, and um, I'm not I'm I'm not disrespecting um Andy Reid and the so who Chiefs. did you want who did you want to win were you excited when the Chiefs like were you rooting, like let's talk about that game in a second because the refs were horrible in that game we'll talk about that in a second but did, were you, where was your I just, heart were you, were you, did I, you I just want to get to one more before I move on to that Sean I gotta get I gotta tell you about this thing with oh well the 49ers didn't have their quarterback let me tell you something they could have had Jimmy Garoppolo starting or whoever their quarterback or whoever their primo number one was starting it wasn't going to make a difference yesterday they may have scored maybe 10 more points than they did which is what I thought they would do which is why I had a 31 a 30 to 17 or wherever the hell I had it I didn't have them scoring seven Seven points. I had him scoring seventeen, and about ten more is probably what they would have eked out with a Garoppolo or this other the broccoli kid. And why wasn't the broccoli kid playing? Because the Eagles' pass rush got to him. Okay, that's what I'm trying to say here. The, the I mean, so I'm telling you. Well, before, but before he got hurt, though, I think he was like three for three. Like he didn't miss a pass before he got injured. So let's just you know, well, three he, for three. But how long? What were the passes? Six yards yeah, or something like that. Serious, but he did have. He need. I think he might need Tommy John surgery. But so to sit there and look at that and say, "Well, if that kid stayed in there, that would have been a totally no, different I think you guys would have won. Your you guys it would have been a totally different game. You were, you the better team it. won that game. Everyone knows it. But, but go ahead. It just shows like the lack of preparation of the 49ers. Like they, they only had Josh Johnson and, and Brock Purdy. They didn't have a third string. They, they were warming up McCaffrey at one point. McCaffrey was going to come in and play quarterback. I mean, yeah, that's like, what the hell's going on? It's an NFL team. It's just a little bit unprofessional. I just felt that's a little it. disrespected there. That Dude, if you would, if Garoppolo would have come in to replay, if Garoppolo would have started, okay. Now, if Steve Young or Joe Montana were that made, that's a different thing. That's a whole different. But it, it, the best they had to offer was their starter was Garoppolo. And if he were healthy and playing yesterday, we still win the football game. Okay, you know it. I know everybody knows it. Everybody was talking that trash yesterday was just a little little bit i don't know a little bit yeah maybe a little jealous maybe a little pistol i don't know what it was but uh 
that's that's the one thing there. The other thing, Sean, thank you for allowing me to go back and, and clean that up because I wanted to specify. Now we can go to this game here. I was rooting for Cincinnati. I was rooting for Cincinnati because um, I'm not crazy about Andy Reid. I was not crazy. I, I loved him when he was here. But after a while, he wore thin on us after about the after about the second or third championship game he got to. And 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 he didn't win because he refused every year. He was trying to win with guys like Todd Pinkston and other guys that you never heard of out on wide receiver he would never go for a it wasn't until he went to kansas city and he took all the things that he learned here by failing and then instituted them there that he became successful and that's what irritated all these things that he was doing when he got to to to, to uh out in kc we were pleading with him to do here and he wouldn't he was too hard-headed and too stubborn so Eat another 12 hamburgers and just go do what you're going to do. I was hoping the Bengals would win because the sooner every year that I get rid of that, that jerk, um, I, I, I really, I, he was just such a hard headed jerk when he was here. He cost us a couple Super Bowls, his own being a goddamn bullhead, hardhead, stubborn jackass cost us a couple of Super Bowls when he was here. Now, that being said, he's a good football coach, but he just couldn't couldn't take. He just had to, at the very end, he had to know, I got to do it my way, I got to do it my way, even to the point where he was arrogant about it. So good riddance, get out of here. I was rooting for it. You just tell Andy Reid to go eat 12 cheeseburgers, bro. That's that's very offensive to to, the large people. That's that's tough shit. (laughs) (laughs) Now, listen, um, to, listen, I'm no, I'm no twig myself, I'm but, joking. but, but you know, so, no, and no, listen, everybody, this is something I have with Andy Reed. And I, like I said, I think the guy was a great football coach. He was a really, he did a lot of great he things. Also had a tough, they just, he had his son, his son had like drug problems, he got arrested and stuff. I mean, he had some personal stuff going on too. He, in Philly, he, you know? he did. He did. And, and look at, look at the end of the day. If the end of the day, if I were to meet the man, I'd shake his hand, I'd talk to him and this and that. And he, he can't help it. He's human. He learned things here by failing that he took over there and he, he did the opposite and he, and he had some more success. That's fine. I was just, I, if I had my druthers, I'd rather play the Cincinnati Bengals than the Kansas City Chiefs because the Bengals, really don't have other than last year they don't have that much experience in a super bowl and i just figured they'd be easier to beat but we're gonna have to play a good football game and and really be physical and play hard and i think we could beat anybody well, we, i don't think have, that Chiefs have, uh, team is the same as it was three years yeah. ago it's not joe we have two weeks before the game we're yeah, yeah, be, yeah. Uh, we have tonight's show then one more this week then two next week we got uh three more shows after this not a problem you got me going though, preparation. <laughs> i want your opinion i want your opinion on what transpired with the refing in the, the chiefs Bengals game i mean what were they doing well, that's another thing here that sean i'm telling you i swear to you i'm telling you that sometimes i wonder and that's what scares me about the super bowl too what bullshit horse shit call are they going to make to give the chiefs 
field position with a minute left in the game costing us the game. That's what I'm worried about. I'm hoping the Eagles can can be physical enough and go in there and get enough of a lead where it doesn't matter. But if it's close, I'm wondering how the officials are going to bow down and kiss Andy Reid's big fat ass and, and, and set them up. That's what I'm worried about. Now, to harken back to yesterday, I called you on a thing when that happened. I couldn't believe it. The Bengals made a stop on third and seven or third and eight, and they were they were they were euphoric because they were getting ready to get off the field. And all of a sudden, they come up with this bullshit. Oh well, no, we flagged it before then, so the play never really happened. Let's do it again, guys. Third and seven. It's like that's great if you're if you're Chiefs, but if you're the Bengals, it's like what the hell are you talking about? What what in God's name are you just talking about here? You didn't you you did what you and there was never a good explanation for it. I mean, it was just and that that led me to believe that. I, that's when I got I, I I gave you a voice message like, dude, there, there there should be an investigation here. I don't know what the deal is. But it wasn't the first time in that game that there was something ridiculous. And it was not the first time that I've ever seen the calls uh, with little Chia head, with uh, uh, Patrick, whatever his name is, the Chiefs quarterback, oh. the little Chia head. And he, he walks kind of a – he walks kind of very nice and very swishes when he walks. But anyway, um, it's just an interesting cat. Anyway, um, when I when I see him – when I see him, when I see him out on that field, I'm like, okay, what bullshit call are they going to give him if the game's close? Anyway, that's all. I, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm done. I'm done. I'm done with football right now. Go ahead. <laughs> um, I feel bad for Joseph Asai, the Bengals defender who did a late hit on on uh, Mahomes because that would have been about a 60 yard field goal, I think. Yes. So. Um, I don't know if Bucker has that leg. Bucker's accurate. Harrison Bucker, the kicker for the field kicker for the Chiefs, but that really that guy's gonna have to live with that the rest of his life, knowing that he cost his team a Super Bowl potentially, you know? Yeah, I felt so bad. I felt so bad for him. And it wasn't even that much. If you notice, one of the San Francisco guys pushed Jalen, and that was a real put. That was like, woof, I'm gonna knock you on your ass push. Um from, from behind. This thing was it was it wasn't it, what you can't ignore it as a ref, but it was not really egregious. It was like it was like he almost he didn't. I don't even think he fully extended, but he tried not to. And then, of course, Chia Head did some acting. I think on top of it, but um, I felt I felt bad for the guy. Why you don't have to call Patrick Mahomes Chia Head? I mean, he's he's a he's a cool guy. He's a great I don't have to, but I choose to. No, so, but it's a little bit know, it's no, a little bit harsh no. to Patrick. A little bit harsh. That's uh, too bad. <laughs> Um, All right, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. If, any, if anybody should be dissed, you know, it's his, br- his brother Jackson Mahomes is very annoying. He's always taking the attention away from Patrick, and he's always he's basically living off the coattails of his brother. And he's and he just he does a lot of annoying things. So he's the guy who rubs people the wrong way. But I think Patrick Mahomes is just a cool, you know, he's got yeah. a frog voice and stuff. But he, I don't know. I, I think, I think like, Mahomes oh, look is at me. Cool. Look at me. Look what I can do. Look what he. Look at me. Watch this. I can do this too. <laughs> look at me. Look at me. He was always. He's always been that way. He's always been like, look at me. Oh, no, look I at think, me. He's always known the cameras are on him. First of all, he's limping around a little bit yesterday when he's playing. The moment. The moment that the game was pretty much out of reach and the moment that he, you know, he, he, he completed the pass for a touchdown was he's running off the field. Then he really, he really, 
uh, plays that limp up. Like, oh, the camera's on me. Let me really get. No, just a minute ago, dude, when you were running around, you weren't limping that. But but all now the play's over and everyone's cheering and uh, they got you running off the field. Now you're going to try to, uh, you know, now you're going to try to, uh, you know, what's his name on the Knicks that did that years ago? You know, he he was he was for real the guy on the Knicks. But uh, you know, now you're going to really play that limp up. It's like oh, the camera's on me. Let me really play this limp up now. I mean, he's just he's he's just that that kind of a dude, dude. I'm telling you, it's like look at me, look at me. Always knows when the cameras are on him, and I think he's a, a damn damn good football player. But I do not think he's anywhere near what these asses on these shows try to make him. Now you put him on that team he had three four years ago with the cheetah and with this weapon and with that weapon and the defense there. Of course he's going to look the way he did. But you go stick him on the Detroit Lions now. I'm not. No, I shouldn't say that. Detroit's pretty damn good. You go stick him on uh the houston texans now and tell me how great he is right tell me how freaking great he is now how he's 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 uh oh uh, he's a generational generational that's another one of these bullshit words that i can't stand these guys using all the time but this idea that patrick mahomes might be the best ever to put kiss my ass he's not one of the best he may be one of the premier of all time one of the premier one of several guys but he's not the best ever by far like some of these horses asses on these shows try to make them now anything else you want to discuss tonight about football because i'm in rare form brother <laughs> um no we got plenty of time man with this show's going a little bit long so I think we're gonna, uh, the sixers are losing right now the sixers were, the sixers were beating the magic in the first quarter by like 17 points now they're losing by six you know three minutes left in the fourth i don't know well, this is what I was telling you. I love the ball club. I, I've loved them since I was, you know, since Dr. Since George McGinnis, before Dr. J. Um, they need to win a championship. And, and I don't care. Like the other day, I had a big win against the Joker and company. That's good. Now what you going to do? Oh, we're going to come out and, and, and struggle with the, the, the magic or wherever the hell. It, look, dude, you guys got to get your shit together. You got to get at least get to the finals. At least get to the finals. If you don't, stay home. Just I, I'm going to go watch the Flyers, fellas. That's all. That's the way I feel about it. Yeah, so um, are you way more confident in this year's Super Bowl that the Eagles are in than you were in when they won the last Super Bowl that the Flows won? Well, hey, listen, all kidding aside now, let me let me just drop it down the whole level. We're playing a real good quarterback. I don't know when the last time we played a real good quarterback was, but do I think he's going to throw the ball all over the lot against these guys, our guys, with the, with the people we got in the defensive backfield and the pass rush we have? No. But is he going to score? Yes. Now, what can we do against that defense? That's not really a vaunted defense. If we can run the football effectively against who we just ran it on, we can run it on these guys too. And then we can chuck it because they're not that good in secondary either. So it should be a good game. I feel like we can beat these guys. I did not feel confident five years ago, Sean. I thought, Oh my God, we got to go up against these Brady again. We, oh my God, I thought maybe I'll watch the damn thing with a little bit of luck. Maybe we can. I know we can go toe to toe with them, but you know that Brady's going to, with two minutes left, he's always going to. And sure as hell, 
there were about two minutes left, a minute and a half left, or whenever the hell that was, when Brandon Graham come around and he got that ball on the ground. Because it was then, it was before then, when Brady took that, that huddle, I thought, here it is. Here it is again. I thought, my God, no. And when Brandon Graham hit that, I'm like, oh, yes. And and and, and, and we, we picked the fumble up. I thought, oh, my God, maybe this is really going to happen. I feel, now, I'm not cocky. I respect the coaching over there in, in Andy Reid. I respect the quarterback, um, Kelsey. They're always tough. They're always tricky. But I feel like this Eagles team has a much better chance to beat this Chiefs team than that Eagles team had to beat Tom Brady and company because yeah, we'll we needed we'll talk, them. To, yeah, yeah. We'll talk a lot about the game. We got three episodes before the game, dude. Let's let's, let's save yep. it for the future show. But um, I'm glad you're enthusiastic. Um, for the record. I think Patrick Mahomes' hair is very nice. I don't think he's a – what you call him? A, I don't think that's – I think that was kind of a low blow. But well, uh, <laughs> Shawnee, that's certainly – wait a minute. I want to clarify something, right? It's certainly not anything racial. I love black, white, Hispanic. I love everybody. You know that. It's not a racial comment. It's The dude has some extra stuff going on up in there. And I'll be honest with you, I think it looks like hell. And he just bothers me anyway, just the way he, he switches around when he walks and this and that. He's something about this dude that's a little bit different. But yeah. anyway, I digress. What do you got? What's on the docket, brother? All right. So the show is almost it's almost gone for two hours, so we're going to wrap up. Um, so the social media links are on the uh, description. Glad everyone's listening. Um, and, yeah, we're just happy to be doing the show. We're enjoying it. I got my co-host, Joe Thurman, and the floor is yours, brother. And we'll do it our way. Yes, our way. Make all our dreams come true for me and you. Good night. Take care.